Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends, to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday. This is the last Saturday in, well, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is the last Saturday in February, February 22nd of 2014. Can you guys believe we're headed into March? And welcome and soon to welcome spring after this snowy, snowy East Coast winter. Oh, my goodness. I know you're excited and looking forward to the shift in the weather. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. As I always tell you, you are such a treat. It is just an absolute joy to have you here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. And for those, our loyal listeners, I have to thank you every, every show because we're going into 11 years. I mean, oh, my goodness, I never would have thought. 11 years. For those who are tuning in for the first time, and as we always tell you, go grab your friends, your, tell your colleagues, your relatives, you got to turn to Off the Shelf this morning and hear this fabulous, fabulous interview because we have a wonderful guest for you this morning. I want to introduce myself to those who it's your first time here at the show. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And thank you again for your support. Please don't let this day go by before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. Do you like romance? Do you like mystery? Is friendship important to you? You will love love pour over me, especially the relationship as you watch it evolve between a father and a son. You might learn something that you can use in your own relationship with your parent and then the relationship of these friends and Raymond and Brenda's, their romantic, intimate relationship that's entertaining, thought-provoking, and very deeply emotional. Don't be surprised if you get emotional in parts of the book. And you can pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me today, online or offline. You can pick up a copy at my website, chistel.com, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, uh, 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 eBook It, Amazon.com, you name it. Online or offline, any bookstore. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it. They can order a special copy for you because Love Pour Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now, so go get your copy. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Nicole Cleveland. I am so appreciative of the wonderful guests that we continue to have after, again, over 10 years here at Off the Shelf. And Nicole is becoming one of those special guests today. She is a motivational speaker, a radio host, workshop leader, founder of Breathe Again magazine. She's a sexual abuse survivor and the author of the book, So He Hurt You, Now What? She's also written So He Cheated. And now what? And her aim is to use her personal experiences and struggles to help others overcome hard experiences and to go on to live triumphant lives. She really wants to see. And you can visit Nicole online at Nicole, and I'm, I hope I'm doing this right, NicoleOnline.com. 
Pro correct me when you come on if, if this is incorrect. I think it's N-I-C-O-L-E, and I have a C in here for some reason, O-N-L-I-N-E.com, but I'm, I'm hoping you'll correct me when, I, when you come on. So I want to welcome you to Off the Shelf, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Denise, and, and you're correct. It's Nicole C. Online, so it's Nicole okay. C. Online. When I look back at it, I said, okay, wait a minute. What is, did I make a typo and accidentally put a C in there? So to our off-the-shelf listeners, again, we have listeners who tune in live, and we have m- many, many listeners, and they're in the thousands, who tune in to our archives. And today's show will stay up indefinitely, as long as we're here on Blog Talk Radio, so you can get thousands of listeners. But I want to repeat the URL. It's N I C O L E C. O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. So after Nicole, put a C, and then online dot com. So I want to begin, Nicole, by asking you, where were you born? Just to give our listeners some backstory on you, I'd like to give them a little backstory on our guests. Where were you born, and what was your childhood like? Um, Well, Denise, I was actually born around the corner from you in Delaware County in Darby, Pennsylvania. Um, So in my childhood was, you know, I grew up with the – 16-year-old, um, I was born to a 16-year-old mother, um, teenage mother, and I had an interesting life, interesting life, you know. We grew up together, so it was a lot of things that I saw that I shouldn't have saw, a lot of things that I did that I shouldn't have done, um, and so, you know, I was over, uh, I, I'm a sexual abuse survivor, of course, and so I had to deal with that growing up, so a lot of lessons learned, Denise, a lot of lessons learned. Now, Delaware, I've passed through there when I'm driving on my way to home where I was born, Dayton, Ohio. Um, and it always seemed like a quiet – I never hear about Delaware a lot in the news. Of course, I'm in Philly now, but I never hear about it a lot in the news. And when I drive through there, whether I'm going to Virginia or Ohio, it always seemed like a nice, quiet area. Would you say where you grew up that that's right? It's like it just seemed like a not like Philadelphia. It's like a seem a little slower. Not, and I don't mean it. I mean it in a good way. And yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, well, it wasn't pro- Delaware, Delaware County. I was born in Fitzgerald Mercy in Darby. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? You know, we all have our dreams when we're kids, and sometimes we really don't fantasize about being a certain thing until we get to maybe be 10 or 12 years old. But when you were a child, what did you dream of becoming when you were a grown woman? Oh, I dreamed of becoming an actor and a singer. I wanted to be an actress and a singer, and to this day I really still think that I can sing, Denise, but... People tell me that I cannot sing and I need to not give up what I'm currently doing. But I always <laughs> wanted to be on stage. I did a lot of um, theater and things of that nature. So I loved fiction books, loved reading fiction books. So that's why I fell in love with um, with theater because I could really go somewhere and be somebody else other than who I was. That's interesting. And yeah. at your, I, I didn't get, when I was doing the research for it. That's interesting, and I, you always learn things about the guests, and I know our listeners do as well. And some people who know you might be surprised at some of your answers to today's questions. But next, I wanted to ask you. I know at your official website, which again to our listeners is NicoleCOnline.com, you say that you ran a lot. Now, what were you running from, and what caused you to decide to stop running? Oh wow, I ran. Um 
I ran because I wanted to run away from my current situation. Um, I think that's what you're referring to in my bio. Yes. Okay. Right. So, you know, I, I did a lot of things growing up. I, I was very promiscuous as a teenager, and I was doing everything that I could do. I thought I was grown, and I did everything that I was big enough and bad enough to do. So I got into trouble, and I wanted to do my do me. So I started drinking, drugging, clubbing, and so I was running. And so I got saved at the age of 23. I gave my life to the Lord because I wasn't raised in the church. I would go to church on special occasions, um, of course, Easter, Mother's Day, and things of that nature. Um, but when I gave my life to the Lord, I ran because I didn't want to be a statistic. I, I wanted to do better for my, my baby. I had a, a son at the age of 18. I was pregnant at 17, and I wanted to do better for him. So I really tried to do something with my life and make something of myself. So I've always worked since I was about 15 years old, and then I just, I always knew I'd be an entrepreneur, Denise. So I wow. always had my yeah. I when you say you always knew, how old were you when you always knew you'd be an entrepreneur? Oh God, I think maybe seven because. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to have money, and so we didn't have a lot of money. So I would shovel people's snow, and I would go clean the lady's house down the street. I would do little odd jobs for people around the neighborhood, and they would give me money. And so I would then I start um, going in the newspaper looking for things that I could I could work. I had a paper route when I was about I think. 13 or so, so I, I was, um, you know, doing the papers at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I always knew that I would be a business owner or an entrepreneur. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. And it's it's odd when you, that's rare, I think, but you, I've, I've heard of other people very young that go on with this, like this entrepreneurial business at, at, aim, at a very young age, seven years old. You you sound like somebody who also is a um, you come across as uh, I want to say leadership, but do your own thing kind of person. That you you seem like uh, a little like that. Uh, I've got I've got to chart my own path. I've got to go my own way. Not not a follower. That that also comes across, and that might been have been a part of the running thing. Um, That that's just a part of maybe. I've got to do my own thing. I've got to chart my own path. So you stopped running. How did you know, though, that you were running? You said you were running, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? And I also wanted to ask you, do you have siblings? I wanted to know if you modeled yourself after one of your siblings. And did you know you were running when you were? Um, I have one brother. He's a younger brother. Um, and when I was running, did I know I was running? Um Actually, no, because when when you're out there and you're doing all kinds of things and, um, you know, you're down a path and the enemy has you down a path, you think that way is right. You know, um, the, the Word of God tells us that the, the, the way may seem straight, but it's not. So, therefore, we think that we're going down the right path, but and we think we know what we're doing, but we really don't know. Um, so I didn't know until I decided to give my life to the Lord, and then that's when I just picked up. And then I continued to run, but I continued to run for the Lord as opposed to running for the opposite team. Okay, okay. Yeah. What did you do in your corporate career 
talk, talking about, oddly enough, the, the entrepreneurial uh, passion that you have. What did you do in your corporate career before you became a writer and a motivational speaker? Yeah. Um, I was a professional fundraiser. I was a development officer for 12 years for uh, PBS and NPR, raised millions of dollars for them. Mm. I loved, yeah, I loved what I did, um, but in 2012, I walked off my job to really pursue my entrepreneurial efforts and dreams and visions, and it just became redundant. I was doing the same things. I could do it with my eyes closed. I was very good at what I did but I felt like I was caged, and I really wanted to catch up to my dreams because, Denise, I saw so much death. So many people were dying around me. I just didn't want to die unfulfilled. So Mm. I really needed to pursue my dreams. Twelve years, we're coming out of a recession, the hardest recession the country has been in, and you decide it's time to go. Wow. Yes, yes. Faith, faith. And it's not like I walked off with with $50,000 or $125,000. I walked off with faith and a vision from God to do what he has called me to do. And I feel it so strong on the inside of me that I know that he is the only thing that sustains me and keeps me and he provides for me. And even now, when it gets hard, I love what I do, Denise and I do what I love. And so when you love what you do and you do what you love, it's easier to go through. Yeah, there are going to be some broke days and there are going to be some some days where you don't have enough, but we know that when we lean, trust, and depend on God, he will never, ever fail us, and he has not failed me yet. Okay. Can Before we talk about your books, and I, I want to talk about both of your books uh, as we discussed prior to the launch of the day show, but can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners what inspired you, because you've done so many things, I want to cover as many bases as I can, what inspired you to found Breathe Again magazine? Well, Denise, in 2004, my husband and I went through a very, very rough separation, and in the midst of the separation, I found that I really didn't have a lot of people to talk to. I didn't have people that understood what I was going through. I needed somebody that said, hey, baby, this is what I've gone through, but, you know, you're going to make it. Um, It gets better. This is my testimony. So I didn't get a lot of that. And the Word of God tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. And I just saw that not a lot of people were sharing their true testimony. So the Lord gave me a vision to start a platform where people can share their testimonies of faith, victorious testimonies of what they've gone through. doesn't have to do with infidelity. doesn't have to do with anything that I've gone through, but things that other people may go through but may not talk about. Um, people are not as vocal as myself. They may not be as vocal as you, but they will read a story or listen to your show and hear what somebody has gone through. So that's mm-hmm. what Breathe Again magazine is. It's just a collection of people that submit their testimonies, and I interview them, and they share things they've gone through. You know, we have people that have gone through domestic violence, children being murdered, you know, women that were barren, um, so many obstacles, people losing their loved ones and just sharing their stories with others so other people don't feel like they're suffering in secret, Denise. You know, that reminds me of Guidepost. 
I'm listening to you talk about Breathe Again, and the, and I used to read that when I was younger, and it was very inspirational, and I agree with you. When you hear people share their stories, it, it helps you to feel like I'm not the only one, I'm not alone. It's, you don't feel like you've been targeted just to suffer, and you hear how yeah. other people made it through a difficult time. They can encourage you with a real-life experience that you can get through it too. Now, for our listeners, I want to offer. I always like to offer some tips and advice for our listeners. I want to offer a few now, and then later at the end of the show, if we if we have time. But for our listeners who are interested in launching a writing career of their own, can you tell our listeners how you landed the columnist spot at Change Gospel Newspaper? Something you say might give them a tip on how they can land a columnist row at a, a different periodical. You know, bless God for um, the magazine and David Hawkins. He's the founder and the publisher of that magazine out of New York. But, you know, it's me opening my mouth. I network with everybody. I've never met a stranger. I talk to everybody. And sometimes my children get on me because I can be in the grocery store or I can be at the gas station. And I'll just start talking to people because we just never know. They may have what I need and I may have what they need. So I was at a convention that I had to speak at a book fair, I believe, in New York, and David was there, and we just began to conversate. He had a table, I had a table. We talked about what my story was. We talked a little bit about, you know, his history with the magazine, and, you know, we networked. We got home. I reached out to him. He re- reached back to me, and then he offered me a column, So, and that's how, how wow. it happened. Just developing relationships, Denise, and a lot of people, they want things, and they just don't open their mouth. Open your mouth and ask. You know, what can wow, I say? Wow, that is. My, yeah, my daughter says they can say yes or no. <laughs> That's true. You know what? I, I, I thought you were going to go through the traditional route. Well, I put in a query letter and I, no. blah, blah, blah. And I, no, he <laughs> uh, And somebody, we had a guest on. That's how she landed her book publisher. She went to a writing yeah. event and just and mm-hmm. you d- just start talking to somebody and they remember you and you land a deal. Yeah. And so that's Absolutely. interesting so far. For our listeners yeah. who are trying to get started at something, keep that in mind. You might not go the traditional route where the experts tell you, you know, you got to do a query letter or whatever it is you want to do. You might that expert way might not be the 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 door that you go through. So be open to uh, developing new relationships. Now, one more question before we start talking about your books. You've also worked as a host on the Yolanda Adams Morning Show. Congratulations to you for that. What is it? It actually wasn't the Yolanda Adams Morning Show. It came on right after the Yolanda Adams Morning Show. Okay, okay. It was called Woman to Woman, and it was in that um, airtime. It was in that in that section. Um, so it was directly as soon as the Yolanda Adams show went off, that's when my segment would come on. So um, that's how that was. And it was woman to woman, and I would give little tips of inspiration to women all over that region. Okay, okay. And how long did you do that? Just curious. I know you have a radio probably show about, now. Yeah, I did that probably about 18 months or so. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Now to your books. When and why, and is this your your first book? We're going to talk about both of your books. So He Cheated, Now What? That's your first, correct? That's correct. Okay, can you tell our listeners when and why? What inspired you? Because you got to remember, they don't have any backstory, no information on the book. Uh, when and why did you sit down and write 
So He Cheated, Now What? And also, is it a novel or is it nonfiction? Both of my listeners? books are not. Yeah, both of my books are nonfiction, and I tell people all the time when they talk to me about how I uh, they always think that I would be writing, and if I thought I would be a writer, I always knew I'd be a writer, um, but I always thought I'd be writing fiction. But mm. now the Lord has me just sharing my testimonies to help other people. I did not plan this, and you know when I went through what I went through. Um, with my husband, I just found that I needed to reach out and reach women that were hurting, that were suffering in secret, that didn't understand the thoughts and the feelings that they were going through. So I took pen to paper, and I just wrote, So He Cheated, Now What? It was really God-inspired because it's my personal testimony. It's nobody else's testimony. It's mine, and it's what I had to endure and what I got out of it. Now, at your website, you also share that when your husband's affair, you have a, a child was, which is a, a child is always a blessing created from the affair. How were you able, and I'm really maybe not even discussing the child because that really doesn't go with this question, but how were you able after you discovered that your, your husband was having an affair, how were you able to trust again? Oh, man. Um, Denise, I tell people all the time that, Taking your spouse back, be it um, woman or man, is the easy part. Rebuilding the trust, that is so very hard. And it's a process, you know. You have to deal with those, those nights where you're crying. You have to deal with all of the questions that you have to ask. You have to deal with the tears and the pain and the hurt. But you just can't get back together, say I want to move forward without dealing and rebuilding the trust. And I think rebuilding the trust goes back to really dealing with the core of why it happened and what we can do moving forward. I have to ask you this for for women who are listening here and they've or men and they have they're in this right now or they recently come out of it. Did you did you know before he revealed it and you just pushed him to reveal it. And was it like a, a one-time thing? Some people just have a relationship one time with somebody. They just one night with the person, and that's it. Or was it an ongoing thing that went on for months and months and months? Uh, and, again, talking about building that trust back after yeah. something like this is ex- revealed. Yes. Well, I think first the first question that you asked was, did I know before it was revealed and how it was revealed? So to answer the first question, did I know I'm a woman? I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I have the spirit of discernment. So a lot of times we know, but we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. And that's exactly what happened with me. I knew that the behaviors had changed. The mannerisms had changed. Things had changed that were, you know, different from what you were doing. So I knew something was going on. Did I want to deal with it? No, I didn't want to deal with it because now I have a a marriage and I've been married eight years at this point. And Mm. um, now um, we have our house and we're established and we're making, you know, $100,000 a year and we're doing it. You know, we have a beautiful home and family and no, because if I dealt with it, then I need to really deal with it. And if I bring it up, you know, a lot of times we search for stuff, and and we better be very careful what we search for because what we look for we may find. And we Mm. need to be able to say, once I find this, 
do I want to deal with it? Because once you find it, you find it. It's there. So I, which was a mistake, um, I began snooping, and I, I have a chapter in the book where I talk about how I turned into Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. And I was going through, <laughs> yeah, I was going through phone records and, and all kinds of craziness because I knew something was going on. But, you know, um, the behaviors had changed. I knew and then I confronted them and then it came out. So that's how it happened. Uh, okay. I think, though, with the with the, the snooping, I think we, yeah. this is my personal view, I think we owe it to ourselves. And that, this is beyond a, a fair anything Anything we could think is my manager doing such and such behind my back or anything. I think uh-huh. we owe it to ourselves to answer that question when we really start wondering and wondering. I, I really do. I think we owe it to ourselves to get an, to have the, and the answer and not leave it open forever because that could become a problem. And you never really deal with whatever it is. It could be anything. I think yeah. we owe it to ourselves to know for sure. I really do. Yeah. Denise, that's um, true. That's anything. It has nothing to do with infidelity or cheating. Um, like you said, it could be manager, it could be family, it could be, you know, bills, and uh, it could be trust within things going on with friendships and things of that nature. Uh, because if you don't find out, um, it will be a gnawing ache in you at all yeah. times, and it will be cancerous, and it will just grow and grow and grow. That leads to stress. You'll be stressed out. You'll be sick. You know, and we want to be healthy. We want to be in our right minds. We want to be the best um, ourselves that we can possibly be. And so when you have those things aching and gnawing at us, they're they're right in our ears and things of that nature. But I do want to say the method is very important, how you go about looking for it. If you want to be sneaky and conniving and all that other stuff, I think honesty is, you know, it, 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 the best thing to have, you know, have a conversation and be ready for the answer. If the other person tells you the truth. Sometimes Absolutely. I think you ha- you have to maybe to get an answer, do some digging on your own, because a lot of times a person look you right in the eye and lie to you yeah. again. Right. and Because they don't, they don't want to deal with the, right. the repercussions of their own choices. So they'll look at you and lie and, uh, and sometimes right. make you feel like you, you're, you're the one who's crazy. Right. You're right, Denise. That they're doing what they're doing. Can you tell you you talk about and then I want to talk about your your, your latest book that just came out. Yeah. What are some other is it more like a is this so he cheated now what? Is that more like a autobiographical book or do you offer any solutions or any tips for people who are reading the book that could help them if they've had a similar experience? Absolutely. You know, I talk a little bit about tips that we could do, how do we keep God first in our marriage, what we need to do, how we communicate effectively. Um, There's also an interview in my book with my husband where I, you know, I sat down and I asked him, why did you cheat? And so we had a whole radio show centered around him and him talking about why did you cheat? You know, what was the reason? Why did you do that? And that was, that was eye-opening as well. Okay. I was going to ask you next. And this happens on off the shelf so often. I have a question. It's the next question, or it's coming up soon, and the guests will allude to the question I was going to ask. This happened I don't know how many times. I was going to ask you next, has your husband read the book? And if so, how did he feel about what you wrote? Uh, of course he read the book, um, and I actually got his permission to write the book 
before I wrote the book because I don't want to be out here touring and signing books and then I got to come home and fight all the time because I don't wrote a book and put all our business out there. <laughs> <laughs> that don't make no kind of sense at all. <laughs> so I did talk to him first. You know, this is what God has laid on my heart. You know, this is what it's going to be. Are you okay with it? And so I did have that conversation, and I even had him read it first, you know. Um, so, yes, he knows about the book. He's read the book. And he will say all the time that this is my ministry, Nicole. This is your ministry. That's you. You want to help women. You're out there. Go do what you need to do. And so that's okay. what it is. You know, because I just want, don't want women hurting, struggling, crying, you know, about to commit suicide. Denise, almost. I tried to commit mm. suicide. You mm. know, I thought my world was going to end. I thought he was the all in all, and he was my God. And so I put him mm. on a pedestal. And a lot of times women do that. You know, I have this great marriage, and, you know, we're doing great, and my husband is this, and I put him up here because he knew the Lord, and he, I knew he wouldn't do wrong, and we went to church. But the devil is a lie. I don't care how many churches you go to and how many scriptures you know and how much you dance. You know, it can happen to anyone in the church and mm -hmm. out of the church. So that's why I wrote it. It's not about me. It's not a, a book that, you know, that it, it needs to read like a, a, a best-selling book that's 800 pages. It's a quick read, and it's really just giving my testimony of how I went through it, how I overcame it, and a few tips on what I do now. Oh, okay. I think yeah. that, too, they did to connect with the story so again women don't feel, and you can also read it if you're going into a relationship and also maybe learn some signs to look for and, and and how to address something before it happens but I think that's where it's helpful and then you said the tips and you're somebody who's gone through it personally so when you share your tips these are like I've been there tips not something yeah, you read yeah, or research in another funny. book yeah, it ain't like I read it somewhere. This is these are the, the things that I thought, these are the feelings that I felt, these are the tears that I cried. So when people high five each other and they say, Honey, been there, done that, wrote the book, honey, I did write the book. So you can go buy the book. Because <laughs> this is my life. This is, you know, what I was. I was that person, you know, wanting to give up on life. I couldn't eat. I lost like twenty pounds. My oh, baby wow. My baby was five days old, Denise, when all of this came out. I just had a baby. And, you know, as a woman, you know, you're very vulnerable and you're emotional. And, oh my you know, I, was, I had a setback. We had to go back to the hospital, start clotting because of all of the stress that was going on. And so, you know, I was in a very bad place emotionally. And so mm. I just don't want anyone else to be in that place and feel like they are by themselves because, no, it's not the first tear, it's not the only tear, it's not the last tear that you'll ever cry, but you're not the only one that has been there. We've been there, we've done it, and more people are out here, Denise, that have gone through it in their marriages, but they just yes. won't talk about it. They won't right. share it with that, that sister that's sitting next to you in the pew crying because it just happened to her. And instead of telling her, you know, it's going to be okay, baby, I've been there, I've done that, you know, you know, this happened to me 20 years ago, they sit there tight-lipped. It won't say nothing like, like your stuff ain't never stink before in your life and you ain't never been through nothing. Sit down somewhere. Open your mouth and help somebody. That's yeah, what I, I think. think. I don't. 
that's my thing. I think people do that, though, because they feel the pressure in church to be perfect. Oh. And it, I know, but I do. I think people feel the pressure to to be perfect. You just don't, as best as they can, you don't. I, I just see that, and I think that's very prevalent in church. Yeah. You like yeah. you want your kids to be perfect. You want you don't want anybody to know about anything wrong in your family or anything. You don't oh, want to be presented that way. It's just this fear of maybe it's fear of you you'll receive condemnation and judgment yeah. and yeah. rejection. And so, but yeah. you're bold enough, and I could tell even when you first started talking on the show and you were talking about giving your backstory, your childhood, and your entrepreneur and how you used to, when you were running, and I told you I picked up that you're just like you go your own path. You have that courage yeah. to do that, and everybody might not have that. And if they do, they might not have it right now, but but you do. Some people might give in to what would other people think more. You seem like you're the kind of person that that wouldn't hold you back. That doesn't Honey, don't nobody got a heaven or a hell to put me in. You don't have a heaven, you don't got a hell to put me in, and I'm not going to stand at the gate in front of you. That's my thing, you know, and i got to do what God has called me to do. And truth be told, we've all got things going on in our family. Whether or not you want to talk about it, it is what it is. And it's, we get so caught up on titles, like because you're this person or you're that person, you feel like people can't know about that. But that makes you a little bit more human. If we know that mm-hmm. you're the first lady and you've gone through that or your child is going through that, then maybe the lady sitting in the pew won't feel like they are like the scum of the earth, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. No, I right. agree with you. I agree with you. And I, 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 it comes across your love for other people. You heard if something hurts you, you don't want somebody else to hurt. And that's, that's just care and love for another human being. I want to talk about your latest book next. So he hurt you now. What? And this was released. Congratulations! What in January? Just last month, correct? Oh my goodness! It was released February tenth. That was the release date that oh, we released wow. it and started marketing it. Oh my yes. goodness! So not even two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm excited okay. about this this um, book. I this book ministers to me and still is ministering to me. Um, it is just basically. Uh, messages of hope. So we heard you now. What is messages of hope for a hurting sister? Denise, when I wrote, so he cheated. Now what? So many women would contact me. They would call me because I would put my phone mm. number out there. They didn't mm-hmm. say so. I mean, God bless. I loved everybody, but <laughs> I just put my number everywhere, and they was calling, and um, I would talk to them because I I understood how it was to be up with your stomach in a knot and you like panic and anxiety is taking over, you can't breathe, you know, he left, or, you know, he just revealed it to you, and so many women would would contact me, and I would walk them through it. I would talk with them, I would pray with them, um, and I would just love on them because they needed love. And so messages of hope for a hurting sister are really messages that and, and talks that I would have with these women when they would call me. Um, and then these are some of the messages are things that I needed to hear when I was going through. You know, it tells mm-hmm. you, get up. You know, a lot of times we get stuck. If there's a woman that's stuck because he just left, he just betrayed you, he wasn't paying the bills, y'all getting about to get foreclosed, because it's not all about infidelity. It is about trust. It's about betrayal. It could be about mm-hmm. home things. 
y'all not getting along because of the kids. Um, lots of things play that part. So these messages of hope is really about, you know, get out of that bed. Stop crying. Just because he left does not mean it's the end of you. We need you. We love you. Get it together. So it's like a girlfriend flying in to be with you for the first 60 days of a heartbreak or betrayal that will not let you give up. Okay, okay. Now you talk about how, and you sort of alluded to this, how women deal with depression, and you've you've talked about this earlier, and think about giving up on life after a relationship breakup. I've got to ask you, and I've I've heard studies say that men actually respond the hardest to a breakup, and some people can't let go and end up stalking you. But that men, <laughs> it, it it actually they respond. I'm told the hardest. They might try to disguise it because they're raised that they're supposed to be tough all the time. But yeah. why do you think when women do feel like my life is over, this and your life is so not over, why do you think some women react so hard? to a breakup as if this guy is the only guy or the only thing in the world. You know, Denise, because I'm very sympathetic to that because a lot of times that's all they know. That's all they did know. Um, And Regina Baker, my mentor, my coach, I love her, out of Houston, Texas, she always says what you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And Mm. when you don't know, you just don't know. So a lot of women, when they, we love hard, but we hurt harder. So it's a slap in the face, a punch in the face to give your all to somebody. I mean, everything that you have in you, and then they betray you or they do something. And some women, they just get stuck. I was there. I was in that bed. I didn't want to get out. I didn't want to feed them kids. They had to come get my kids from me because I, I really revolved my world around this man, which should have been revolved around God and my family. And so I was really heartbreaking. And so many women are heartbroken when it happens. How did it happen to me? It's so embarrassing, especially if they're in a prominent role in right. the church. I have, a, I have a lot of faith-based readers, so I get a lot of people that are leaders um, that, that it happens to. And it's embarrassing. It's shameful. You know, they just don't know how to go on. What will people think of me? And, mm-hmm. you know, until they, and until they realize it doesn't matter what they think of you, this is your life, you need to get it together for you. Um, so you really need those affirmations. When things like this happen, we feel unattractive. We feel less beautiful. Why me? What did I do wrong? Was I and was I not pretty enough? Did I not cook enough? Did I not clean enough? Um, I didn't give them sex enough. We play, mm-hmm. we play that blame game and we internalize. So that's why they get stuck and, and they get in that bed. Now some, not all, but I can only speak from my experience and that was me. Now why, why do you think, no, what are some signs? I try to again, I try to share a lot of advice and tips off the shelf listeners, something that might be that aha moment for somebody that helps them get unstuck. And those aha moments come in a second, a nanosecond. Something you yeah. hear, you see, boom, and it unlocks the door. It just just a second. It's not it doesn't take a hour consultation. It just boom and it's like yeah. the key. Maybe you will share that for somebody today without and you may never even know. But What are some signs that a man or a woman or a man, because both have done this, 
um, that you're wrapping, you're putting too much trust in a, this other person. You might not even be aware that you're doing it. You're putting too much trust in them. You, you're getting, you're putting too much, investing too much in this person or this relationship. And if something blows, you could be in trouble. What are some signs that a person is, you just a little bit too, uh, you're putting too much of your trust in this other human being? Well, I think, Denise, um, that can be answered in two parts. One part would be geared towards married couples, and another part would be geared towards people that are in a relationship, their boyfriend and their girlfriend, and they've been together for a while. Marriage, I think, is very different because you, you have taken a vow before God, and you can be so wrapped up into that individual. And it's okay, but you also need to have some balance, and you also need to make sure that God is first. And you also have to make sure that you're communicating, you know, you're communicating one to another what's going on with one another. What, when, so those cracks and sealing up the cracks and praying and things of that nature when you're married. But I will say you are supposed to give your all in marriage, but you're supposed to put God first. So, therefore, that will distinguish all of that putting that man high up on a pedestal because no one gets to be high up on that pedestal um, above God. That's for the married couples. But for the, re- the ones that are in the relationship, um, first of all, you're not married, so you shouldn't give everything that you possibly have to that man or to that woman, you know. Um, there are some places that, are, that need to be sacred, and they need to be vested for God as well. You know, there are pockets. There are places that you need to get to with you and God and really listen to what God is saying as far as the relationship and be very mindful and be very watchful. If everything revolves, and this is married and and, and in a relationship, if everything revolves around that man or that woman, um, you know, and and you're, you're scared and you're fearful if you don't get this done, if the dinner's not done, if I'm not home a certain way, that's a little bit controlling and you Mm -hmm. have placed him before everything. You've placed her before everything and that's a sign right there. Oh, he's not, he's going to be mad or she's going to get upset and she's going to fuss at me if if I'm not here, if I'm not there. No, 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 no. That's a problem because that right there tells me if that individual leaves or walks away or does something, you're going to be devastated, devastated mm. because you put everything in them. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I We had a guest on who actually was uh, married, and they, they were Christians, but her husband was uh, domestic violence, and she yeah. had to get out because he was going to yeah. take her life. Um, oh, and even, yeah, so she, but she said it's slow. It's slow. It's not a, this stuff doesn't happen like one big incident where they coming after you with a chainsaw right, it's right, right. it's slow versus you know it's why are you, why are you talking to your mother while I'm home I've been you should have talked to your mother before I got home put up the phone right. and give me all your attention the, it's just mm-hmm. really really slow and then you get into the thinking that this is what a christian wife is supposed to do so you start doing it next thing you know you are up over your head into a yeah. really bad situation so there there are signs to look for, and if somebody's going to get real upset because there's a spot on the table, that's not a healthy relationship anyway. Oh, no. But can you tell us about three things women can do to heal 
following a breakup so they can heal and get on with their lives? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say number one thing is to seek God. Everything that I do, everything that I am, um, it is because of God in my life. I would not be here talking to you because I should have lost my mind a long time ago uh, because of everything that I've had to endure. Um, I would say seek God. You've got to seek God in all things. You know, and if you go to the left, if you go to the right, not saying, Lord, do I go open the bathroom door right now? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in what you do, you've got to seek God, especially in the healing process after a breakup. Because without it, you'll be all over the place. Number two, I would say you really, really got to know who you are. Who are you? What happened to you? Where did you go? You know, a lot of times we build up our men and, and we're pushing them out and we're telling them to do this and, and, and woo, woo, yeah, go meet your numbers and go play the basketball and go make something of your life. Meanwhile, we're home cooking and not doing anything for ourselves. And so our dreams are deferred. And then when things like this happen, it's sort of like, wow, I was so into you getting your career up, I lost me. What do I have? And, Denise, I speak to women that, that are in marriages, and they've been married for 40, 50 years, and then they're just now realizing, I have nothing for me. Wow. I sat alongside him, you know, this whole time. Yes, he's the pastor of the church, but what about me, you know? They just look at me and walk by me. So what about you? That's number two. What do you want to do? Start doing something with you. Number three, uh, in order for you to heal, you have got to forgive. You know, the Bible says that we have been forgiven for much, so we must forgive much. So you've got to forgive because if you don't forgive, you will be stuck in a prison, and you will have the key, but you won't let yourself out because you're mm. worried about yeah, you'll be worried about what they're doing. You'll be worried about what they did to you and how they mistreated you and how um, they did it and how could they have done it. So I'm not going to let them do this, and I'm going to just be mad at them for the rest of their lives, and I'm not going to forgive them. Well, you're cutting off your blood supply. You're not cutting off his blood supply. You're cutting off your oxygen to move forward. So you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. So one would be you have to really seek God. Number two, you really got to find you again, and number three would be you've got to forgive. And we're talking to Nicole Cleveland, and she's the author of the book, So He Hurt You Now What? This is her latest. It just came out on February the 10th, so we're talking not, it hasn't even been uh, two weeks yet, and you can yeah. find Nicole online at NicoleCOnline.com That's N-I-C-O-L-E-C-O-N-L-I-N-E dot com and she's also written So He Cheated Now What? But her latest is So He Hurt You Now What? For our listeners who are, who are tuning in, and I, I, I like to be as clear with when I was sharing tips and advice, when you say seek God and somebody doesn't know what that means, can you give us some examples of how uh, an off-the-shelf listener can do that? Yeah. Um, you've got to get in your word. You've got to get in the Bible. You cannot control the things that are around you. You can't make the decisions for things that are around you. You've got to seek God. So you've got to pray. You've got to seek him early. You've got to ask him, what do I do, Lord? Because I, I don't know what to do, and I don't want to make the decisions. So that's one thing you have to do. Then you have to get in the word of God. Get in the word of God each and every day and, and find out what, 
God, what the Word says about you. The Word says you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. The Word says you are the righteousness of God. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to quote all the scriptures. But seeking God is just learning about who he says you are and what your rights are and praying to him. Okay, okay. So prayer and reading the scriptures and meditating is also helps, yeah. and sometimes even journaling because things may come up Absolutely. and paying paying attention to your dreams. Now, do you do you think that one one final question that I want to talk about your your fundraising work that you do with nonprofits? But do you think that men and women seek to? I heard somebody say this recently that every human wants validation when we ask questions or we say do something. We want somebody else to say, "Yeah, I think that's the right." thing or yeah even when we ask people about we say well i'm in this situation we want somebody and we say i'm thinking about doing this we want to hear people say yeah i think that's a good idea to seeking this validation and i think we all do do it but do you think that we seek men and women to validate ourselves through our intimate relationships this person you know they're treating me this way so i'm okay and then if they treat us bad we think well then now i'm not okay that is a great question, Denise. And you know what? Yes, I think we do. We do do that. As, you know, a lot of times people will say, you shouldn't want thanks, you know. Or your thanks comes from God. When you do things, you're doing it. Um, you don't want to do things in the open so people can say, applaud you. But, yes, I'm human and I want to be validated. I'm human and I have feelings, so, yes, I do want to be validated. But being validated by your spouse is very different. When, you, when your only validation comes from being married or your only validation comes from whether or not they're treating you good or if they're treating you like a queen, that's wrong because validation should come from God. You know, at the end of the day, men will, will displease us and men will give up on us and walk away from us. But God will never walk away from us. So the only validation we really should be seeking after is God's validation for us because men will disappoint us each and every time. I don't care how much they love us, they're going to have a bad day one day. And so mm-hmm. on that bad yeah, so on that bad day, do you stay in the bed because they're having a bad day? No. You got to keep on going. That's why you can't seek validation. You can't be validated by what they say about you and how they treat you. And yeah, I agree. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Cuz there might be a human pull too seek that validation we all do it at work we want our supervisor to validate us i mean we could go on and on and on we want our friends to validate us and people who don't we don't like them because they didn't validate (laughs) me and then we have all these issues and if we if we really knew who we were and ourselves and who's we we wouldn't need that validation but proof that we don't know is we do we do seek the validation we all do it in some form at work you want your supervisor to give you a thumbs up and if they don't man you are your whole day is ruined (laughs) and you know it's not denise it's really not even just at work too even in the marketplace out in the world with our friends with even in church when we do things when we are in business you have a radio show of course you want people to support your radio show especially those that are your friends or that are connected to you and when people don't support you we feel a certain kind of way right we Mm -hmm. do you just Mm -hmm. like if i can support you why you can't support me so that goes back to that whole validation too and that really seeks 
to speak to the validating from that individual what that says to us. And so, mm-hmm. no, we shouldn't be seeking that at all, but we all want support, and that, that garners validation as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you also provide services for nonprofits. This is going to the entrepreneurial spirit you have. Can you tell our listeners, some who might work with nonprofits, can you tell us about some of the services that you offer nonprofits? Well, thank you. I am a fundraising consultant, and so what I did for years was I, I had a budget of $2.4 million. And so every year we met, we exceeded our, our revenue budget, and we raised funds. I love raising funds when I have the list and I have the tools and the resources to raise the funds. So what I do for nonprofits, small nonprofits, is um, if they have campaigns, if they're doing a campaign, they need to raise money for a fall campaign or a winter campaign, or if they're doing a special project, a capital campaign, they bring me on and I put together initiatives so that they can meet their revenue goals. So I do that as well. And information is on the website about how to contact me and things of that nature. And what, what's the difference, Nicole, between fundraising and selling? Well, so when you, fundraising? You, a, a, yeah, because uh-huh. a nonprofit, you think they're doing their fundraising. And then you also have businesses, Microsoft, Apple, IBM, et cetera, they sell but both are asking somebody to give them a financial support. So what's the right. difference between fundraising and selling? Well, fundraising is normally um, accompanied or connected to a nonprofit, a 501c3 organization. So therefore, when you are doing a fundraising um, effort or you have a fundraising initiative, we solicit donations because people can make a tax-deductible donation to the organization and receive a write-off. You can receive the credit, the tax credit. So you can apply that towards your taxes. When you are a for-profit business and you are selling, you don't get if a donor makes a donation, you wouldn't make a donation to Microsoft unless you're making it to Microsoft Foundation, not the mm-hmm. actual for-profit company, unless you're actually buying shares, and that's selling, that's not, and that's purchasing versus fundraising. So that's the aspect. One's a nonprofit, a 501c3, and you received um, tax credit and the tax write-off for it. The other is basically you're just selling, you're purchasing something. Now, during your one-on-one, you offer one-on-one fundraising consultation sessions. What's involved in – how long are the sessions, and what's involved in one of those sessions? Well, I do have something on my website, which is a 30-minute free just session. So that's where we get on the phone and we talk about – what your organization is, what your goals are, what you're currently doing, and what you want to do. Um, And the actual consultation, which is a 90-minute paid consultation, really talks about, I say, do the free session first, then we go to the 90-minute, which is the paid one, so I already know what you want to accomplish in the 90-minute. So therefore, we talk about how you're going to get to those goals, maybe put some initiatives in, if we need to put some buttons on your website, if we need to increase your list, if we need to um, um, amp up your website, um, what are you doing on your social media, talking about things of that nature, and how to really put a plan in place, because all nonprofits need to have a development plan. That's a plan that says from whatever your fiscal year is, a lot of them are July 1 through June 30th, 
um, you're going to raise X amount of dollars, and this is how much we're going to bring in monthly, and this is how we're going to get to those goals monthly. Okay. With just a few minutes left, can you tell us what type of are, are there a certain type of nonprofit organizations you work with in case any of our listeners are interested in contacting you? Are there any types that you specialize in, like some might do breast cancer, some might do uh, people involved in education or some with the arts? Are there any certain types of nonprofit organizations you work with? And if so, what are, what are those types? Well, right now I'm working with mainly ministries, ministry organizations that are raising money for a capital campaign. Um, so, therefore, with our ministries, they have a capital campaign. They want to build their – they want to make um, additions, and they want to build onto their church. So they're my clients right now. But, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits out here, bigger nonprofits that are laying off people in their development department, and I would love to come on board to help them – per campaign base, so organizations out there, like such as you said, American Red Cross, um, things of that nature. Okay, okay, we have yeah. about three minutes left. I wanted to ask you, you, at your website you talk about marketing, and, we, and again, we just have a few minutes left. What did you learn from marketing your first book? that helped you to get achieve more success? I know your new, your new book was just released February 10th, but that has helped you with marketing your latest book. Yeah, that's funny. I think I just wrote a, a blog post about what I did wrong with the first book. So I think the first book was my lesson. It was what not to do. And I think I did almost everything wrong with the first book except write the book. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I learned that you know just you can't just jump on every um, every train that comes by, um, but I also learned how to be more strategic with this second book. I launched it earlier, so therefore I involved my social media fans and family, um, Twitter and Facebook, to help me um, um, help me choose the cover. You know, I engaged with them different tips before the book came out. You know, I went out there. I did set up different pages and things of that nature. So I'm a bit more strategic now who my, my niche is, who my target is, who I'm reaching. Um, I'm a little bit more targeted about um, being proactive about going out and scheduling author chats and book signings and how to get the word offline and online because they have to match. You have to incorporate both offline and online. Okay. We have been talking to Nicole Cleveland. These shows go by so fast. So they we, we're do. coming to the very end of the day show. Nicole Cleveland, she is the author of the book, So He Cheated, Now What? And her latest, which was just released February the 10th of this year, So He Hurt You, Now What? You can visit Nicole online at N-I-C-O-L-E-C-O-N-L-I-N-E. She also offers her services right now. She's focusing on the ministry for ministries who are looking to raise funds for their nonprofit organizations. As we know, churches are nonprofit. Again, online, she's N-I-C-O-L-E-C-O-N-L-I-N-E. And her latest book, again, is So He Hurt You, Now What? And it's available at Amazon and other other locations, I'm sure. Is it in print and ebook? Gotta ask that before we go. Absolutely, both of them are print and ebook. Um, my new book is just two ninety nine in ebook, and it's like eleven forty two in paperback. And you can okay, get them both so on Amazon. Print and ebook, Amazon. So it cheated now what? And so her latest, 
her new book, So He Hurt You. Now what? Please go and support Nicole Cleveland. And as always, I thank you, thank you, thank you to our off-the-shelf listeners. And please go pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Pour Over Me. It is always a pleasure to be here with you. Please tell your family, your friends, your colleagues, tune in to Off the Shelf, Saturday mornings, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or New York City time if you're dialing in from another country. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Remember to all of our listeners, you are amazing. You are awesome. You're truly incredible. Go create a fabulous day for yourself. Bye for now. The call shoots you an email.